Hello, you're listening to On Israel in Al Monitor. I'm Ben Kaspit from Tel Aviv. We will uh, talk today about natural gas, specifically the gas deposits hidden deep in the Mediterranean Sea off the coast of both Israel and Lebanon. Israel's uh, discoveries and ex- exploitation of its gas reservoirs have dramatically changed its geopolitical position in the region. They have turned Israel not only into a military, technological, economic, and intelligence power, but also into a local gas power and, most recently, a gas exporter. Israel's small, poor neighbor to the, nor- to the north, Lebanon, has not benefited from this windfall located in its economic waters. In fact, Beirut currently has fewer hours of electricity per day than Gaza does, Pharmacies are empty, and hunger is spreading. While experts estimate that Lebanon has sizable gas deposits offshore, the only drilling that uh, was conducted there so far did not yield commercial amounts. In other words, Lebanon has major potential. All they have to do is find it. However, before finding it, Lebanon must reach agreement with Israel on the maritime area which they both claim as their own. The disputed area is approximately 850 square kilometers in size, and the parties are said to be close to a compromise brokered by the United States. However, this is where a guy named Hassan Nasrallah comes into the picture, as usual. Hezbollah is trying to cash in on this bonanza, both politically and economically, either by reigning on the parade or by becoming its band leader. We will talk about this today with a man who many call the father of Israeli gas. Yossi Langotsky, a colonel in the Army Reserves, was an Israeli war hero and one of the heads of the Special Operations Division of the IDF's Intelligence Corps. Israel owes him many of its current intelligence capabilities. In civilian life, he became a a geologist. Langotsky, who turns 90 two years from now, was the one who insisted on the Mediterranean drilling that led into Israel's first major gas discoveries, including the Dalit rig and the famous Tamar gas reserves, named after his granddaughter. Colonel Yossi Langotsky will be here with us after a short break. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Hagedorn, and I'm the State Department correspondent at El Monitor. And I'm Joe Snell. I'm El Monitor's video editor. Let's admit it. This past year has been difficult to stay on top of the news and sift through what's accurate and what's misleading. Let El Monitor help you. If you care about the Middle East and North Africa, you should consider listening to El Monitor's audio series On the Middle East with Andrew Parasoliti and Amber and Zaman, and On Israel with Ben Caspi. You can now watch our newest video podcast, Reading the Middle East with Gilles Capel. You can subscribe to these series on your favorite podcast platforms. And through a host of free daily and weekly newsletters, we offer a range of perspectives with the highest journalistic standards. You can subscribe to these newsletters at almonitor.com. 
As an award-winning media service headquartered in Washington, D.C., Al Monitor has a network of over 160 contributors around the world. So if you haven't done so already, be sure to visit almonitor.com, where you can find all of these newsletters and podcasts, along with first-class reporting and analysis. Now I'm happy to say uh, hello and welcome uh, to our podcast, uh, Israeli intelligence uh, veteran colonel and a very famous geologist in Israel, Yossi Langotsky. Hello and shalom, Yossi, and thank you for joining us. Hi. Okay, let's say uh, we're talking, of course, about uh, the, the natural gas fields uh, in the Mediterranean, and I want to ask first that uh, ask you that uh, you are considered the father of uh, Israel's gas uh, treasures one of the pioneers of uh, maritime gas uh, exploration in the Mediterranean could you briefly tell us about the first discoveries that paved the way for Israel's current status as a gas power and gas exporter okay Oil and gas exploration in Israel has been likened to an obstacle course. Over 60 years of drilling, some 500 wells, mainly onshore, has resulted only in one oil discovery called Khelet oil field, situated on the southern coastal plain, which produced only 20 million barrels of oil. Up to 1999, just 11 wells were drilled in Israel territorial waters all of them at less than 200 meters water depths. This was until 1999 when a tiny gas field named Noah was discovered in the southern part of Israel water. Uh, let me clarify what is territorial waters. Territorial waters is a 12 miles wide strip of sea waters which runs parallel to the coastline in which the adjacent country has total rights. Opposed to territorial waters, there is economic waters, whose area covers the sea waters up to 200 miles from the coast, but covering only the natural resources to be found in these waters. By the way, these appointments also characterize initial stages of oil and gas exploration in a number of areas that are now great producers. Decades were wasted on barren drilling until the sudden turn around. These initial exploration failures include Saudi Arabia, the North Sea, Libya, and others. Israel's turning point came in 1999. In that year, I requested from the Israeli government a maritime license to explore for oil and gas in an area of 14,000 square kilometers out of the 22,000 square kilometers of the entire economic waters of Israel. No company had ever requested to explore for oil or gas in this area. The reason I asked for this license flowed from leads indicating large geological structures beneath the seabeds. These structures were detected in seismic surveys made in the 80s at a distance of about 60 miles from the shoreline and added to various other geological data justified further exploration in these virgin territories. 
Because of the great distance from the shoreline and the need to walk at the water depths of 1,700 meters, the geological engineering and economic expertise, all this dictated the involvement of a major international company. Fortunately, I managed to pursue BG, British Gas, which is a major international company based in the UK, to lead a consortium in this in the venture. This consortium worked for several years in the licensed area and prepared a drilling prospectus, which was entitled Tamar, the name of my eldest granddaughter. The drilling was ready for execution in 2002, but for various reasons, not one of them being geological, that drilling didn't start until 2009. One of these reasons was British Gas' decision to leave Israel in into the 2005. The drilling resulted in the discovery of the Tamar gas field characterized as giant, whose gas content is estimated at 300 BCM, BCM stands for billion cubic meters. Yes. This quantity of gas is sufficient to supply all of Israel gas needs for 25 years. This was a pioneering discovery which led to further big discoveries in Israel waters as well as in Cyprus. These gas fields are the total depths of 5,000 meters, where the sea is around 1,600 meters deep. It's possible, it's possible that oil fields, not gas, but oil, does exist at greater depths. Unfortunately, the potential of oil discoveries demands a more difficult and complex operations one hopes that these oil fields will eventually be discovered. Yes, I share this hope uh, with you. Uh, I want to ask you, Yossi uh, Langotsky, what conditions exist in the basin of the Mediterranean that make it a potential reservoir of uh, commercial gas deposits? Okay, I shall start by describing a geological phenomena found at the Eastern Mediterranean Ocean called Basin. In this case, it's called the Levantine Basin. It's more than 200 miles long, but, 100, but 150 miles wide and stretched from north to south through the economic waters of the Palestinians, the Israelis, the Cypriots, and the Lebanese waters. The entire basin area has the same geological history and similar makeup and our great satisfaction create what we call an oil and gas system. In other words, the Levantine Basin has all components and conditions which are necessary to generate and accumulate oil and gas in traps. The discovery of these traps is the object of our exploration and I shall try to describe the oil and gas system in brief. Firstly, one needs source local starting material. This is organic material that accumulates on the seafloor in an ambient temperatures of about 150 degrees centigrade. The material then cooks at this temperature and generate oil and or gas which migrates into traps. All the above mentioned condition must be well orchestrated and well timed. The Tamar field of 300 BCM and Leviathan field of 500 BCM and other are proof that the Levantine Basin possess the right condition for the generation of gas in substantial quantities. 
we, the explorers, have to struggle with how and where to find the traps which include the gas. Yes, this is the, let's say, uh, $100 billion question. Okay, another question uh, if, for you is, do you think there is a chance of finding additional gas discoveries in the Israeli economic waters in addition to what has already been found and especially uh, in addition to the large Leviathan, the uh, reservoir that you just mentioned of 500 BCM? Okay, our knowledge regarding the geology of Israel economic waters leads me to the conclusion that unfortunately there is little chance of having more giant discoveries similar to Tamar or Leviathan, unfortunately. Future new discoveries are possible, but only of much smaller gas field, let's say around 50, 50 BCM. That is regarding the gas to the gas. A successful oil discovery, as I said before, is still an enigma, and I do hope that this will be a challenge for the future. Professional assessments point to the existence of significant gas deposits in Lebanon's economic waters, which are located north of Israel. Do you agree with these assessments that the chances of finding gas in the Lebanese waters are indeed good? Okay, let's put it this way. I'm not familiar enough with the exploration surveys made at the Lebanese offshore, and therefore I cannot evaluate thoroughly Lebanese offshore gas and oil potential, but I'm ready to come up with an educated guess. And the Lebanese waters is part of the Levantine Basin, like the Israeli waters. There is a good chance of finding substantial gas deposits in Lebanon waters. But it's prudent to relay that only two years ago, a consortium of major companies, national leaders in their field, drilled for gas 20 miles west of Beirut. They drilled 4,000 meters deep, only to find out that the well was dry. My understanding is that the Lebanese intend to drill a well north of the line separating their and our waters. I do hope that they meet with success and find substantial gas fields. Uh, yes, and they, they really need it. Uh, how should Israel address the possibility that Lebanon uh, will also locate uh, natural gas deposits in its economic waters? Is it good or bad for Israel? Okay, let's put it this way. The state of Israel, I believe, has an enormous interest that Lebanon should discover economically viable gas fields in their sea. That's it. If Lebanon has gas, then Israel gas fields are unlikely to be sabotaged because an attack on the Israeli gas field would likely result in a quid pro quo causing unbearable damage to the Lebanese. Enough said. Yes, and I think uh, this uh, opinion of yours is shared by all the decision uh, makers in Israel. I heard it from them. And we are talking now about the Lebanese-Israeli uh, uh, negotiation. I heard the security officials say that it, if Lebanon places gas exploration and production rigs near the area where Israel produces gas, everyone would benefit and uh, you just said it, I, I, I wonder what does that mean? And also let's talk about Hezbollah leader, Hassan Nasrallah, that has recently been threatening Israel in connection with its uh, 
Kariche Reservoir, from which gas production is scheduled to begin in September, uh, in your assessment, does Hezbollah have the tools to damage this gas rig? Okay. The sabotage of Karish rig is entirely feasible. I repeat, the sabotage of Karish rig is entirely feasible. By the way, Karish in Hebrew means in English shark. <laughs> Yes. The rig is easily identifiable and sensitive to damage from enemy attack. The damage could literally take months to repair. I'm afraid that despite of all our efforts, one should assume that the Hezbollah organization might succeed to damage Karish rig if they, will, if they will try to do it. Nevertheless, I do hope that Israel will finally soon an agreement with Lebanon on the exact location of the maritime border between the two countries, and this will calm down the existing tension. The question is why Israel insisted on placing Karish, which as you know, means shark, you just said it in Hebrew, right above the reservoir, instead of moving it to the Southwest, away from the dis disputed area and away from danger. After all, it could have put the rig closer to its shores and run a pipeline that uh, would deliver the gas to the rig from the underwater field. Why do you think we insisted on placing it in this problematic and dangerous place? This is a good question. I really don't understand it. Both Tamar and Leviathan production rigs are located at a distance of less than seven miles from Israeli shoreline which means that the defense is much easier than the defense of Karish Rig, whose density is 60, 60 miles from the Israeli onshore. Military speaking, it is a mistake. It is a mistake, that's it, I have no explanation. Yes, uh, I think I agree with you. And my final uh, question to you, uh, Colonel Yossi Langotsky, the geologist, do you believe that gas can be a tool for promoting cooperation and peace in our region. Israel has become the main gas supplier to Jordan and Egypt and may soon begin supplying gas to Europe as well. Uh, we're talking about Turkey as well. Do you see these developments as a threat to the Russians who currently enjoy a gas monopoly vis-a-vis -vis the Europeans? Okay. I regret having to say this, but my most sincere opinion is that Israel has made a great mistake of allowing gas export. The large fields which have been discovered in the Israeli waters should first and foremost ensure the provision of a national emergency gas depot, guaranteeing the security of adequate energy resources for foreseeable future of at least four decades. We're a small, physically isolated country in a very hostile area, and no one can foresee what will be our geopolitical situation in the distant future. Before any gas exportation, it is our responsibility to ensure the surprise gas for essential needs over the next 40 years. This is essentially the quantity of gas in our approval offshore gas fields. So long as we have not discovered further substantial gas fields, we should desist 
from any expo expo exportation. No one can foresee what difficulties we shall have to purchase gas and other fuels in the next decades. Just look at the present problems for European countries, especially Germany, to obtain needed gas. Therefore, we must not allow ourselves to be seduced into emptying our gas reservoirs. To ensure our energy needs is far more important than any transient income of profits from gas sales or political benefits. Israel government decision to keep only 25 years of reserve is a great mistake. This mistake might rebound on us in times of tension, danger and other threats. We must not misled by propaganda generated by the gas producing companies. Their job is to make profits, which is natural and not to preserve essential gas reserves for the state of Israel. I'm absolutely convinced that we have to be very cautious. If in the future an oil embargo, an oil embargo is placed on Israel, which is totally in the realm of possibility, then it will be the gas reserves which will save the country. In conclusion, I believe we should pay attention to the recommendation of Mr. John Hofmeister, ex-president of U.S. Shell Oil Company, who said on a visit to Israel a couple of years ago that Israel should not export gas unless more meaningful gas fields will be discovered. This is a very important uh, conversation we just held, Yossi Langotsky. Your opinion is, is the minority opinion, but it is loud and clear in Israel. The government is doing the opposite. Uh, then the history will decide. Anyway, it was very interesting uh, for me, and I hope for the listeners as well, uh, Colonel and Geologist Yossi Langotsky, thank you very much for this conversation. You are most welcome. We'll go away for a short break and come back with some final thoughts right after it. Todayosi. Hello, I'm uh, Gilles Kepel, professor at uh, Sciences Po and the Normal Soup in Paris and author of a number of uh, books and articles on the Middle East. Through my new podcast, Reading the Middle East on the award-winning media service and monitor, we will take a deep dive into the trends in the region with the authors and thought leaders who are shaping how we think about the Middle East. Reading the Middle East will be a fantastic addition to Almonitor's outstanding podcast lineup, including On the Middle East with Andrew Paraziliti and Amber Inzaman, and On Israel with Ben Kaspit. You can subscribe on your favorite listening platforms. We look forward to your joining our conversation. Thank you for staying with us. I think that the, the biggest headline that uh, Yossi Langotsky just gave us is when I asked him about the possibility that uh, Hezbollah can uh, hit and damage the Israeli uh, oil rig of Karish. This is, of course, because uh, Hassan Nasrallah is threatening for weeks now to, uh, to act if uh, an agreement will not be signed and Israel will uh, start uh, producing oil from uh, the Karish Rig. And uh, by the way, it 
it is supposed to start the, the uh, production in these days. And uh, Langotsky, who is uh, the number one geologist in Israel, the father of the Israeli gas, and one of the founding fathers of uh, Israeli intelligence, said that the sabotage of the Karish rig is entirely feasible. And he also said that the rig is easily identifiable and sensitive to great damage from enemy attack. So we later asked him why did Israel insisted to, to build the rig right above the oil field and did not uh, uh, try to move it, uh, and it's possible, behind the, the sea level, uh, and to move it uh, away from the, the dangerous uh, zone uh, between Israel and Lebanon, close to the range of the, of the Hezbollah missiles. And Langotsky said that uh, it's a good question, and he, he really doesn't understand it. Uh, in his words, both Tamar and Livyathan production rigs are located at a distance of less than seven miles from Israel's shoreline, which means that their defense is much easier than the defense of Karish rig, whose distance is 60 miles from Israel. And military speaking, it is a grave mistake. Another interesting opinion by uh, uh, Yossi Langotsky, who will uh, turn 90 uh, in two years, is that uh, he thinks Israel should not export its gas, but keep it to secure its uh, uh, production and energy in the next 50 years. Israel, he said, is vulnerable. It can suffer a, a, a renewed oil boycott, for example, and it's better to keep the reserves of the gas uh, to its own use than to try get rich very fast now. And another important uh, point, I think, is when uh, he said that, uh, and I quote, I do hope that the Lebanese uh, uh, will meet with success and find substantial gas fields. And he explained that uh, the state of Israel has an enormous interest that Lebanon should discover economically viable gas fields in their sea. And Gotsky said that if Lebanon has gas, then Israel's gas fields are unlikely to be sabotaged because if you uh, attack the Israeli uh, rig, then uh, your uh, oil field will be attacked as well. And don't forget that uh, these days, uh, today, on Sunday, there was a huge headline in Israel that uh, the tension in the northern front is getting higher and higher because of Nasrallah threats uh, that uh, were aimed to the to the to next month to September, when Israel is supposed to start the uh, production of of uh, gas from the Karish rig, and we all hope nothing will happen. The agreement will be achieved and signed, and uh, we will all be in uh, in peace and rest. Thank you for uh, listening to us. Uh, I hope uh, you found it interesting, and uh, we will meet you next time in On Israel and Al Monitor. Take care. I'm Ben Kaspit from Tel Aviv. Bye-bye.